Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, a Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by awesome Patreon backers like the capricious Carl Halpern, the superlative Scott Adams, and the garrulous JM Gerrymander. Today, we have myself, Ange, along with our newest gnome, Tangible Day, or Andrew. We're going to skip the whole get-to-know-a-gnome question because this whole episode is about getting to know Andrew. Hi, Andrew! Welcome to the Gnome Stew! Hey, thanks for the invite. Glad to be here. Awesome. Uh, You've been... I think we added you as a full gnome a few months ago, but we just... Various scheduling difficulties couldn't quite... Couldn't quite get in time to record the podcast. Earlier in the summer, but we got really busy when school started up with the kids. Yeah. So let's uh, let's head right into our first question. What is your gamer origin story? How did you start playing RPGs? So I actually started playing way back in um, the 80s or early 90s in Dungeons & Dragons Advanced. Dungeons & Dragons, I think that was second edition. And of course, you know, that kind of diminished as I grew older. Um, I picked it up again a couple years ago when the D&D Adventures Leaks were a thing. I mean, they're still a thing. Yeah, so I've been doing it for a while, but, you know, of course, COVID threw a wrench in things. Oh, yeah, COVID threw a big wrench in a lot of things. So you you kind of had a gap, probably, you know, between college and picking it up again later in life? Yeah, so I went to school, right, so college, and then I went to graduate school, and then I got a job, I got married, and all those those life things got in the, got in the mix. And of course, whenever you play a role-playing game, tabletop role-playing game, you need these these nice, sizable chunks of time to get a good campaign going. And then as you get older, the logistics of getting adults to to get together is like herding a bunch of cats. Oh, God, yeah. So you know what I'm talking about uh, with that. Yeah. But until COVID hit, you know, I was playing maybe every month. We were playing Pathfinder was my my game uh, with a bunch of friends here up in Connecticut. Very cool. Now, have you have you done much GMing, or do you stick to being a player most of the time? I enjoy being a player because I like engaging in stories that I don't know what's coming. You know, when you're a GM, you know everything, right? You have the entire script in front well, of you. Well, that's I, the illusion. <laughs> kinda, right? I guess, right? But I like I like the adventure part of discovering what's next and kind of having a story unfold before me when I'm playing. I also like the character development, like trying to find out who this character is as I'm playing the game. Also, GMing is a lot of work, you know, the, <laughs> the prep work and the planning. And I, you know, I just don't have that, not the interest, but just the commitment of planning and making sure everybody is having fun. That's hard. You have GMed at least, you know, once or twice, though, and given it a go. So I have tried in the past the world building. Of course, I've, I've worked from pre-written modules. You know, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to write from scratch and create a new world. Like, you know, that's not even, that just conceive it from scratch, right? I've worked from modules that have been written before. Yeah. Those are fun because, you you know, you have all the maps made for you. You have all the characters and the NPCs all laid out for you. The monsters are all out. You know, you kind of have a guess of what to do next. Yeah. My, my, my only trouble with modules is sometimes I read them and I'm like, <laughs> you have never actually had a table full of real players, have you? Because they sometimes, like, throw things in that I'm like, my players are not going to react that way. You know, they're not going to do that thing that you say they're going to do. <laughs> I mean, that's the challenge, right? You don't want to railroad your, your group. 
right? Oh, yeah, absolutely script. not. And that, that can be tempting when you're running a game and you want things to go just perfect. But at the same time, that's not fun, too. You want your players to improvise as well. I guess that's the struggle of GMing. And, and you know, to all, all the credit to the folks who do write modules, it's got to be hard to write out the ideas for the adventure and the module and try and account for the ways the players are going to interact with things differently than you expected. Yeah. So what style, I mean, mostly we've talked about, you know, D&D and Pathfinder. What style of games do you like? So I actually am a tabletop war gamer. That's my preference. I do like the RPGs. Um, I like on there on equal footing, but I like games that are, when you, when you say style, actually, let me ask you what you mean by style. You know, style can mean, to me, style can mean anything from the genre of the game yeah. to the mechanics of the game ah. to the tone of the game. Okay, so yeah. mechanics, I like games that have, so Pathfinder, some would argue, is more mathematically oriented. There's a lot more statistics and a lot more, um, I don't know, numbers involved, whereas D&D, little, little 5e, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then 5e is a little more intuitive i guess is the word people use for around i do like the less math oriented types of games in terms of game mechanics i like story driven narrative games co-op games if you were talking about board games i prefer mm -hmm. those kind of games when it comes to rpgs fantasy or sci-fi i haven't played a lot of sci-fi rpgs it wouldn't hurt to try you know like shadow runs big one around here mm -hmm. Starfinders uh, emerging is the the very popular sci-fi genre tabletop game around here but most of my experience and so is in fantasy, you know, the, the Tolkien-esque stuff, dwarves, yeah. elves, and, you know, ogres and all that stuff. I've always liked those, the, the classics, classic genres of fantasy and RPGs. Yeah, but as I mentioned earlier, I do like playing tabletop miniature games also because they're quick. Coming back to the whole time commitment thing, they're quicker. Mm -hmm. I, can, I can get games in. But I also like those types of games where there's a, a very solid lore foundation or the fluff behind it is intriguing to me. You know, examples like 40K Warhammer has a cool fluff background, at least in my opinion. You know, I was a big War Machine Hordes player, mm -hmm. Privateer Press's game. Yeah, no, I guess I like a lot. <laughs> I like yeah. a lot of style of games. Yeah. I, you, you mentioned like, you know, the, the background, the, the fluff, the story. It comes with a lot of games, and you mentioned Shadowrun, and Shadowrun is one of those games that I love the background story for that setting, but I've kind of gotten to the point where I don't want to engage with that level of crunch in the mechanics of a game, yeah, so I totally yeah. get that, you know, like, that, that you can fall in love with the, the, the theming and the story of a game while not necessarily wanting to play that actual game. Right, so like just another example in terms of crunchiness, the Mech Warrior had a RPG. I don't know how old. I mean, um, BattleTech. You know, the whole giant. I never robots. played that one, but I've been playing since the '80s, so yeah, I remember. I mean, that was about that. all numbers, right? Just yeah, mm -hmm. I guess, um, yeah, you can get lost in it too much. A bit well, much. it's like if you look at the history of role-playing games, in there was that period in the '80s and '90s before the world of darkness came out where they were just trying to throw more and more numbers at the mechanics to basically make the simulation better and kind of lost track of the story sometimes i i often joke that the um sometimes the story in role-playing games happened by accident in the 80s it's, yeah 
Yeah. I mean, um, I remember the, the dice that you would throw back. They were like the hundred sided dice. I don't even know if that's being used much anymore for different things. I don't, I mean, I get my percentile dice out in D and D and stuff like that, but the do you remember those hundred sided D one hundred? Yeah, and it used to like rattle, like baby rattle. They had little uh-huh. beads in them. Yeah, I remember. And it would just roll forever. Exactly, the hundred sided yeah. die. <laughs> it just roll off the table into the next room and still keep going. They were fun though. <laughs> so you mentioned, um, you know, uh, miniatures games, and uh, the first couple of articles you wrote for us talked about minis and the visuals of gaming. So you've done a fair amount with uh, miniature painting and all of that too, right? Yeah. So that that was another part of the hobby that I really enjoyed is just painting up the miniatures for these tabletop games and the terrain, you know, some, some tables are full of these dungeon, you know, the sewers underneath this giant city. And that would be these 3d printed or 3d sculpted scenic sets were just fantastic to me. Right. I really was into the scale modeling aspects of these different games and the miniatures themselves are just fun to work with. I mean, I guess there's a whole hobby into this that I really enjoy as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really like writing about it as well. Now, because you don't GM, but you do a lot of work with miniatures and terrain and stuff like that, do you end up providing a lot of that for your game masters? So when I did play, I was doing I was doing quite a bit of 3D printing, and I had 3D printed uh, miniatures in our games. Um, and in terms of painting, I've done some painting for games, sure, yeah. I mean, the players that I played with also liked painting as well. So ah. they all did their own things and they all had their own personalities in it, their own little takes on things, how you painted certain things, how you kit bashed your own miniatures to have certain weapon attachments. They, we got all into that. So at least my group did. We should we should totally pull uh pull you and Chuck in for a conversation about terrain and miniatures and all that, because Chuck's done a lot of uh, a lot of uh, articles on paper terrain and, you know, throwing together all sorts of stuff out of found materials and all of that. Oh, yeah, like the whole paper craft uh, hobby is huge. Like the, the Cree-Cut, uh, they have these, like, paper cutters. So how have you handled gaming in the time of COVID? Uh, were you able to adapt? <laughs> to doing online gaming uh, during the pandemic? So, uh, I mean, I think I did a lot a lot of what people did. We went online and, you know, we played online video games. I played World of Warcraft. I picked that up again, you know. Um, <laughs> of course, I have kids, so my time is very limited. So, you know, I played World of Warcraft. I played Pillars of Eternity. I don't know if people know what that is. It's an RPG also, top-down. I played, you know, these computer RPGs, all this stuff that you know, we all like Baldur's Gate 2. I actually got downloaded again. I played that. But I haven't played any um, tabletop RPGs online virtually, ah. although I hear that's a thing. Yeah, no, uh, my group ended up transitioning to using Roll20 and some of yep. the other virtual tabletops and just continuing continuing our games uh, online. But I definitely understand what you're talking about with World of Warcraft because those MMOs they can really start eating at your time if you're not careful about it. Yeah, I mean, well, they're, but they're fun and you get to still get social, you know, you can socialize with, with your friends. And so I know I found with myself personally, I have to be very careful with those games because I end up 
getting caught up in the, the FOMO, fear of missing out. And basically like, well, my friends are all playing now. I wish I could be playing now and end up getting very obsessed with, with trying to play the game as much as possible. And that doesn't always work when you've got other things going on, on in your life. Yeah. So I think one of the things that maybe made me hesitate playing virtually more was there's a lack of the physicality of the actual playing in person. I think part of it that I enjoyed was bringing the snacks and sharing <laughs> the junk food and, you know, ordering an Uber Eats, you know, during a gaming session and throwing dice, actual real dice and throwing oh, them yeah. around. And like, hey, what did you roll? Oh, can I borrow your D6s? I need some more D6s since you reach across the table. And you've got... Like those little nuanced, subtle things about playing in person, I miss. And I don't, there's no way a virtual, you know, D20 or whatever guys people, people are using is going to compensate for any, any of that. No, and I, I totally get that because I missed all of that stuff as well. My, my personal group has gotten together twice uh, this year, this fall, since we all decided like, okay, we're all vaccinated. We're going to get together in person when the opportunity presents itself. And, you know, we made a big deal about, you know, the food we brought and we're yeah. sharing and, and, you know, just getting to see each other, and pulling out the minis and all that. At the same time, I'm very grateful for the ability to connect to each other virtually through Zoom, through Google Meets, through Roll20, through whatever. So we could, you know, maybe it wasn't the full experience, but we still got to game with each other. And I know that helped for a lot of my particular group, but I totally get your your position as well, because I have a lot of other friends who didn't really transition to gaming virtually during the pandemic. I mean, for sure. Um, one thing I was actually talking with a coworker the other day about like how things have changed and stuff. But one thing that came up was, you know, imagine how as bad as the pandemic is, right, you know not to diminish how tragic it is for many people. If the pandemic had hit 10, 15 years ago, it would be way worse because we didn't have things like high-speed internet. We didn't have Zoom and web webcams. Yep. You know, we didn't have that capability to be, to have this virtual life that we can have now remotely. Mm -hmm. So if anything, you know, we're kind of fortunate we can be online, you know? Yeah, it helped the... Uh... It helped basically being able to maintain those connections and all of that. Right. Like, imagine we got cut off in the 90s like this. Oh, wow. God. <laughs> right? What would you do? I mean, dial up? AOL? I'm aging myself. I mean, I'm dating I, myself. <laughs> I got most of my gaming in the 90s from, uh, from mushes online? and muds. Muds. So I probably wow. would have kept doing that. but Oh, that's a new conversation. Muds. Oh, my goodness. Text-based <laughs> RPGs? Ooh. Yeah, that, that, Those that are fun. dates me dates me a lot. <laughs> right? Before EverQuest came out? Uh, I did do EverQuest too. <laughs> anyway, so what made you start wanting to write about games? Um, I actually have another blog where I write about the miniature painting because I'm actually a commissioned miniature painter. I actually paint as a service. And I wrote there and I realized this is more about the hobby side of the mm -hmm. of the miniatures, but there isn't there wasn't a lot of space for me to talk about things related to the actual gaming, especially RPGs and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I just went online and I, I stumbled upon Gnome Stew. Like you guys have a huge gamut of 
different articles and, and resources for the tabletop gamer. And I was like, just kept reading through like, Hey, um, I would like to write about this where, cause it doesn't fit in my blog. And I figured, mm-hmm. Hey, I think you were one of the people I talked to earlier on you know, pitching a story for Gnome Stew. I think my first article was about photography. Yeah. You know, how to how to take how to photograph your gaming session to create a you know kind of a a good narrative or an after action report for for your gamer group, gamer group which I did for various things and I found that fun and I found it refreshing not having to write for my own blog mm-hmm. where there's a lot of pressure you know I wanted a different audience who was a, and it was refreshing because I had a new audience to write to who weren't just hobbyists and miniature painters. And also let me connect with the community of gnomes too, which is awesome. Yeah, no, we've been, I want to say the blog started in 2011. So 10 years at this point, I started in 2014. Okay. Uh, But it's, there's, you know, a decade's worth of articles about gaming and GMing and all of that in there. So yeah, it's, I can definitely see the, the, shifting from focusing on just miniatures to focusing on other aspects of gaming, you know, and having that different audience. So what type of articles can our audience look forward to from you? So I'm coming, well, there's a lot of things I could write about, but the thing that I, I tend to like writing about is um, focused on the art around, mm-hmm. the minute, around the miniatures, but just also around the games themselves. I have a lot of hobbies that are kind of peripheral to gaming the painting of the miniatures, taking pictures of the games, you know, the various technologies that revolve around gaming, 3D printing, virtual reality, right? So, you know, VR is an emerging technology. That's a game changer, right? Being able to play RPGs in a virtual space. Mm-hmm. You know, so any article, I mean, you know, you can expect articles from any of those different spaces, I think. I enjoy writing about that stuff. And I think there's there's a lot to explore there with just you know, even just looking at the idea of 3D printing and the fact that you can design your own miniatures on something like Hero Forge and just get the file to 3D print it yourself. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, of course, I am very open if there are particular articles or topics that, you know, the Gnomes do community wants more of. I could look into seeing if my expertise can fill that little gap, you know, feedback from any of you guys, feedback yeah. from the readers. That's all very helpful. I'm very responsive. You guys leave comments. I'll, I'll I'll see them right away. Yeah, absolutely. Leave comments if you want specific articles. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I'm happy to check it out and see if that's something I would be able to write about. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we've we've had a chance to get to know you pretty well. So we may as well start getting out of here. This show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by the Nomadic Author Creator. Need some new gnomes to add fresh new content to the blog? We'll just use our Nomadic Author Creator. Toss in a bunch of gamers and out pop a new author to write. Results not guaranteed. And hey, just as a heads up, folks, uh, the Gnomecast is going on a holiday hiatus. So this is going to be our last episode for 2021, and we will return in 2022 on January 19th. If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. Mastering Dungeons, RPG veterans and game designers Tios Abadia and Sean Berwin look at the game and the hobby of D&D from a variety of viewpoints, reporting the news, understanding the business, reviewing the products, and illuminating the design. 
Whether you're a fan, a player, a DM, or a designer, Sean and Tios cover topics of interest to you. You can find all of us at gnomestew.com, at gnomestew on Twitter, and gnomestew on Facebook. Andrew, where else can we find you on the internet? I am at tangibleday.com. That's my blog. As well as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Awesome. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as orikes13, O-R-I-K-E-S-13, though Twitter is pretty dormant and Instagram is mostly pictures of my cats. So, I think we can say we've avoided the stew this week because you are a pretty new gnome and you're probably not ripe yet. (laughs) Thanks for the invitation. Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Oh, you might want to add that part out.